Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. But I have this word that's brewing in me, and um, I've been on this journey for quite a while of this, this mystery of being the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, how many know that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Amen. That's a beautiful, I mean, uh, like beyond beautiful, it's a confounding mystery. It's like how could we, this lump of meat sack flesh, be the beautiful temple of the Lord? Um, and, uh, and not only individually, but corporately, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I have a word for the body of Christ, and I want to share it with you. I've only preached this one time, but I'm going to go through some things here, and, uh, and I want to talk about how I believe that there is a call, there is an ancient mandate that we need to be renewed in, in the Spirit as believers to be carriers of the presence of God. Amen. See, there's a gift of presence that God wants to give through your life to a broken world. I mean, like when you walk into the room, it's as if the Holy Spirit walks into the room because he lives within you and he rests upon your life. And unless we say yes to this holy mandate, we cannot properly carry that life to the world around us. And, and I, I really believe that the season of striving for revival is just over. And, and if we're still trying to live that out, then we need to just like turn the page and move on. Because it's one thing to pray for an outpouring. It's another to be an outflow of the river of God that lives on the inside of your belly. And, and so I, I just, without like being too too blunt about it. Just say, just, just get over that idea that, well, we need revival. Yeah. Let's become revival, not strive for revival. Let's become the river. This is why I love what John was bringing last week, just practically uh, and the revelatory understanding of the gifts of the spirit. And then practically, how do we live that out? But there is a, there are gifts that he wants to, to flow through us, but there's also the gift of the very presence of God then we don't just experience on Sunday morning, but everywhere we go, we carry that glory with us. And so I want to be reading from Psalm 132, and I'm going to read verses 13 through 16. You all ready? Lord, you have chosen Zion as your dwelling place. For your pleasure is fulfilled in making it your home. I hear you say, I will make this place my eternal dwelling, for I have loved and desired it as my very own. Now, David is writing. You remember David wanted to build a house for the Lord, a resting place for the Lord. No more tabernacle. I want a, I want a habitation for the presence of God. And how many know the story that he wasn't able to do it, but it was to be given to his son. And then there was a promise. He said, I'll build my house and my kingdom will be established forever. Now, how many know that that was a promise to the Messiah? Amen. This scripture here, there's some verses in here that were actually quoted at the dedication of Solomon's temple 
But these few verses I'm reading are undoubtedly referring to you and I as the church because the Scripture says, I will make this my eternal dwelling forever. How many know that there's temples and there's a temple still in Jerusalem? But how many know that God is not behind a veil anymore? He's inside of us. Now, I want to talk about how there is this, this, uh, this mandate from heaven. The Lord has said, I have chosen it and desired it to be my very own. Verse 15, I will make Zion prosper, satisfy her poor with my provision. So good. I will cover my priests with salvation's power, and all my righteous ones will shout for joy. I will increase the anointing that was upon David... And my glistening glory will rest upon my anointed one. I will clothe his enemies with shame, but holiness will bloom on my anointed one. Isn't that powerful? So there's a promise of fulfilling, uh, a pointing to new covenant believers. I want to take you to another verse here real quick. A couple verses out of 1 Peter. And then I want to talk to you about something that I think is so important. And most of us may be uh, aware of this truth and this reality, but I want to I wanna go a little bit deeper in it so that we can, uh, we can really receive the truth and the implications of who we are in Christ. Now, here's what it says here in 1 Peter chapter 2. Here's what he says, and he's talking about that we are living stones for God's house. I will mention that Paul also talks about this in Ephesians chapter 2. And he says that we are being built up together. We are being fitly framed together, assembled. We're individual living stones, but we are assembled together to be a dwelling place for God in the Spirit. You know, even the scripture in 1 Corinthians where it says that we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. How many know that he's, Paul's not just talking, he says, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Well, who's, who's you? You is not just you reading. You is the church. Amen. See, we're so individualistic sometimes. We miss the reality of the, the, the family of God being a, a resting place for the manifest presence of God. Like there is something about encountering him together that sometimes we miss out. There's a gift that God wants to give of his presence that can only be received by all of us together. It's a beautiful mystery. It says that we're baptized. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into Christ, but it says we've all been baptized and made to drink of one spirit. And this is where Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, when he's talking about the gifts, verse 13, he says, and this is the mystery, that you're no longer Jew, you're no longer Gentile. All the labels come off. All the lies come off. Come on. All the walls come down. There's no more wall separation. It's not like the Gentiles have to be out here, but if you're chosen you know, people, then you can come into the holy place. Now we're all called, beckoned, welcome to come into the holy presence of God. And so Peter is talking about this. And he says, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you, who's who's the you? The church. Say, I'm the you. you. I hope that doesn't empower split personality, but um, (laughs) you are the you that he's talking about. We are the you. We are the church of the living God. And here's what he says. You, church, 
You, Encounter Church, you believers in this moment, in this hour, in this day, are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. 1 Corinthians 3.9, Paul says, you are God's field, field or garden. You are God's building. The church is a spiritual building. Amen. Just like Ezekiel 47, the river, where the river trickles out from the temple, and the further it gets, every 1,750 feet, it gets deeper. Then another 1,750 feet, it gets even deeper. Then another 1,750 feet, it gets deeper. And then another 17, four times, 150 feet. It's so deep that you can't wade in it. It's not knee deep. It's not waist deep, but you have to swim in it. It's interesting to me, though, that the temple gets, or the water gets deeper the further it gets from the temple. Just... Remember that as we continue. So Peter is saying, you are God's building. This is so beautiful. Look what it says. What's more is you are his holy priests. Do you know that you are a priest? Some of y'all are like, well, I was raised Catholic and the priest was the guy who went up front and didn't know. Every believer that is born again has a priestly role. Because we have been joined to the great high priest. We've been united with his death, resurrection, and ascension and session, seated at the right hand of God. And now we have been brought face to face with the Father, just like Jesus. So because we are joined in in the great high priest, we also are kings and priests unto our God. There is a priestly role. There is a priestly mandate that we all have as believers, and one of the reasons we have immature believers that don't walk in power is because we don't say yes to the priestly mandate to be consecrated, to be anointed, and to be commissioned into the world to be carriers of his glory wherever we go. I'm preaching better than you're responding, but God bless you anyways. Come on, somebody. He says, what more is you are holy priests. You are holy priesthood. You are a holy priesthood. And you don't need to wear a robe. You don't need prayer beads. That's okay. You are a holy priesthood. Wherever you go, there's blessing. You're the ark. Imagine the houses that will get blessed if you just hang around it. You don't even need to say anything, man. The presence of God in you attracts blessing. The presence of God in you attracts promotion. The presence of God in you attracts provision. The presence of God in you attracts all the blessings of heaven that God wants to unfold into your life. You're a holy priesthood. You're a holy priesthood. And there's nothing you could do about it. You could either live in it, walk in it, or you could deny it. But the more you deny it, the more you're going to strive for revival, the more you're going to hope that someday things will get better in the world. But if we become a holy priesthood, we realize that, wait a minute, we've gone into the holy place. We have access. A great high priest has gone before us. And he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Come on, somebody. That the Bible says that Jesus was touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He 
became flesh. God who became man. Oh, you're so beautiful. That's why I love that song. The beauty of incarnation that his divinity was joined to our humanity and he went into the holy of holies. Come on. His blood was shed for all of the sins of humanity and now we, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, we can come boldly to the throne of grace to find mercy and help and strength in the time of need. We have access by one spirit to the Father, Ephesians chapter 2. So now no longer do we need a mediator. Jesus is the mediator between God and man. And because we're in him, we live in the presence of God. And the presence of God lives in us. That's new covenant reality. And anytime we step into this old covenant mindset that somehow we have to strive for this. And oh God, would you fill this place? Stop praying, God, fill this place. God's already there. God's already in the darkest place. He is in the bars, the dirty, nasty pubs that sinners live in. The presence of God is right there. Well, aren't we waiting for the glory of the Lord to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea? No, we're waiting for the knowledge of the glory of the Lord to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. The knowledge, it's the word yada. There's an intimate awareness of reality that we know that God fills all things. You see, when Isaiah had his encounter with God and he saw the Lord high and lifted up, what were the angels saying? What was heaven saying as they cried, holy, 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 and it shook the temple doors. It shook the pillars of the temple. The angels were saying the whole earth is full of his glory. I've told this story before. Some of you heard it. Some of you have not. I remember as a young man, first I'll say this, that I realized there was a gift upon my life. I couldn't, I don't know why, uh, you know, maybe it's because I just, you know, spent time in the presence of the Lord. I just, my heart, I just gave my heart to Jesus and I realized that there was gifts that came out. I started playing the guitar. I didn't even sing until I became a Christian. I, I would lip sync when I first got saved because I was ashamed that I sound, sounded bad. So I lip sync worship and God still touched me. I lip sync. Nobody could tell because it was so loud. And we're worshiping and I experienced the presence of God and I got addicted, man. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Then I learned three chords on the guitar. Three chords. That's all I needed. And I started doing worship. And I remember somebody inviting me to a Bible study. I'm a young man and I've been rocked by the presence of God. I've been rocked. I've, I've encountered Jesus and I'll never be the same. And I was invited to play a couple songs, and I began to sing this song. And the chorus is, let the winds blow, let the fire burn. And in that moment, there was a wind from an unseen realm that filled the room in which we were in. And I'll never forget, it was a mark. God says, I've anointed you like a David to shift the atmosphere. I remember this... uh, Youth pastor that we we were friends with and we served with, we did outreaches in. He would build relationships with uh, people in the community. And, and he was never afraid. There was no divide with the secular and the sacred. He just he loved to, to just draw people in and build relationships. And, and so there was this local band in Las Vegas that was pretty well known. And they needed a place to practice. And my friend, the youth pastor, said, hey, you can use our youth building and rehearse. We won't charge you. Just use it. He literally just invited them in. And blessed them and said, you can use it. They weren't even Christians. They weren't like, you know, it wasn't like a death metal band where they're in there like singing like, oh, Satan. And nothing like that, you know. They were like, <laughs> they were just a band, whatever. And little did I know that that simple invitation, it's like 
We don't realize sometimes the simple invitations that we have and the relationships we build, there's a form of relational evangelism that we miss out on. See, God wants us to win people's hearts over and then declare truth into their life. Sometimes we're like speaking truth and it's like we're Peter cutting ears off. And God's like, why don't you just love them a little bit and win their heart and then watch what happens when you speak truth. It's cultivating the ground of their hearts. And then when you sow a seed, it's like, God, there's a response to the good news. So we end up going to this, uh, this event my sister had, and uh, she worked for Coors. Coors Brewery. Have you ever heard of Coors? How many sipping saints are in the room? Or how many got delivered from, come on, somebody. I saw y'all at Genesee Brewhouse. Don't even. So my sister had pre-Christ, before Christ, one of the uh, dream job, free beer. She used to bring beer over to my house. Just, hey, I have another six pack of Guinness, you know, thanks. So she invited me to this event. It was at a, an Irish pub, uh, actually an English pub. And this pub was wild, like a lot of rugby players. Wild, right? And this band was playing at the event my sister was doing. So we show up, support my sister. I was a worship leader at the time. Um, I served the Lord, and I was a youth leader, and I showed up to support my sister. My wife's there. My sister-in-law's there. We have other friends. So the band's playing. We're having a good time. I have a beer. We're, we're just hanging out, and uh, then the band comes up. They know me. They recognize me because they practice at our church. They rehearse at our church building. They know that I play guitar and I sing, and they know that I lead worship. So halfway through the set, they're like, hey, Zach, come up and do a song do a song. What do you want me to play? Kumbaya, my Lord? Like, I don't, I don't, I, what am I going to play? I don't know any songs. I, I know worship. I know how to worship. I know how to change the atmosphere. Is that what you want me to do? You want me to come up and say, give the Lord a shout of praise. Lift your hands, everybody. Like, that's all I know. So I'm quickly thinking, I'm like, God, are you doing something here? Is this a, a God moment? Are you opening a door to crash into this realm in the darkest place that we would think that only sinners go and God's so far from that, but he's right there wanting to manifest his love and power and grace. Yeah. And so I'm like, I think of this song, Kevin Prosh, Kiss the Sun. Lyrically, it comes from the Psalms and lyrically it's kind of, you know, there's a lot of metaphor in there and stuff. And, and so I'm like, they won't even know it's a worship song. It's an undercover worship song. So I get up. The drummer, the bass player back me up. I start playing. And, uh, and it, it crescendos. And all of a sudden, I find myself bubbling up on the inside. This river. And I begin to sing a guttural, belly, spontaneous praise to Jesus. It was as if nobody else in the room mattered at that moment, but I was kissing the feet of Jesus in worship. And the presence of the Lord crashed into that room and hit it like a ton of bricks, man. People are crying all over this dirty pub, this dirty bar, in this dark place, light shining. Because I said yes to the priestly mandate, not just to be a worship leader. You don't have to lead worship to shift an atmosphere. You don't have to sing or play. You can shift an atmosphere with your words, your words. Jesus said, my words uh, carry their spirit and their life. You can shift an atmosphere with your words. You declare the word of the Lord. It could be something so simple as I release peace in this room right now. 
See, there's peace and there's love and there's presence. The Holy Spirit in you, that he wants to release that river of peace, that river of joy, that river of love out through you to the places that need it. The places in, in your city. And so I, I, I finished the song. It was hard to stop because the Lord was moving and people came up to me crying. Do you, where do you go to church? I, I need to get back to church. Some of them were prodigals. Some of them had no idea what hit them. They're like, I'm crying. I don't even know why I'm crying. <laughs> and they're just crying, you know. I remember one time we did this uh, Bible study. There's another testimony of just being a carrier of his presence and shifting the atmosphere. This little girl named Hannah. Uh, Hannah, and I think her last name was Luan, little Hannah, she got saved in our youth group. Our first, we planted a church, 12 people in a coffee shop. We started a youth group, four people, four kids in a coffee shop. That's how we started. Grew to hundreds. The youth went from four to over 50, packed in our living room. Kids are getting saved, healed, delivered. They're walking from the projects. They're walking in with bad attitudes. They encounter the Lord, and they fall flat on their face, crying and worshiping for 20 minutes. Then they get up, and they're like, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, super polite. It was like instant transformation. It was amazing. Everyone's like, you want to change your teenager's life? Send them over to this youth group, man. My son came home respectful. I don't know what happened. I don't know what they're feeding them. We were just feeding them nachos, but they were eating the bread of presence. Come on. They were getting Jesus. So this little girl got saved in the youth group, and she's like, I want to start a Bible study. She has this tiny little mousy voice. I want to start a Bible study. Now she's a teacher. So she started a Bible study in junior high. She can't preach or teach. She doesn't have like this. She's not. She's just really quiet. and Oh, praise God. And she says, Pastor Zach, I'm, I can't do the voice anymore. It sounds like Mickey Mouse, but... I'm trying to prove a point here. So she, she says, Pastor Zach, I, I want to start a Bible study. Would you come and just support it? I'm like, absolutely. So I bring a couple of my spiritual sons, Luis and Larry. So we show up, and she gets up, and there's probably like, I don't know, 25 kids there. Good turnout. And she's like talking about Jesus. Jesus saved me, and I'm born again, you know. And she's just telling her story, telling her testimony. Nothing spectacular. But then she says, I'm going to put on some worship on this little, little boom box thing, you know. Now it would be a Bluetooth, but back then I think it was like a cassette player, or a CD player. It was a CD player. It wasn't that long ago. So she puts it, and she's like, we're going to worship, and I'm going to pray for you. She puts worship on. Guess what happens, man? The manifest presence of God hit that place like a ton of bricks. This young kid, I remember two of these kids, they're standing up by the desk, and she's like, let's pray. So they don't, they don't really know what to do. They just close their eyes. She walks over, lays hands on them. They collapse into their desk. Hit by the power of God. In a public school, you can see the teachers are Christian, but she's more conservative. She's just like stunned. The power of God's hitting these kids. Afterwards, I interviewed one of the girls. She's like, I don't know why I'm crying, but God just loves me. And like, you know those cries where you spank your kids or you, like, remember that cry when you, you were really scared? It was like one of those, like the Lord just branded this little girl's heart with his love. Little Hannah was timid and quiet and didn't know a lot of Bible, but she knew Jesus and she knew Jesus lived in her and she knew wherever she went, Jesus went. And with that confidence and boldness, she released the presence of God to those around her. You are a holy priesthood church. Jumping down to verse 9, Peter says this, but you are not like that. You are a chosen people. So he's talking about 
the Jews stumbled over Jesus. And, but he says, you didn't stumble over him, but you are a chosen people. You are royal priests. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. You know why we have a hard time evangelizing? Because we have not said yes to the priestly mandate of our own lives. When we say yes to that priestly mandate that I'm a carrier of the presence of God, I've been joined to the great high priest. I am in the presence of God, the Holy of Holies, and he lives in me. Then we go out and everywhere we go, goodness, the manifest presence of God just flows from our life. Rivers of living water, like the river in Ezekiel. Everything the river touches brings healing. Come on, the trees that are planted by the river, it says even the leaves represent the healing of the nations. You know what? We want to see change in our world? Take, say yes to the priestly mandate of heaven to be carriers of the presence of God. That's who we are. And God's fitly framing his temple. We are God's field. We are God's building. I love Ezekiel 47. He talks about the, the temple going deeper and deeper and deeper the further it gets from the temple and the healing that the waters bring. I want to close with a verse here out of uh, the high priestly prayer of Jesus. How many know the scripture says that he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him? How do we walk in this? We join our hearts to his heart. Because if we're joined to the Lord and we have been positionally bound to him in covenant, but as you join our hearts to the Lord, we become one spirit with him. I mean, didn't Jesus say that he believes in me, that the works that I do, he will do, and even greater works? Why, Why greater works? Because he's going to the Father and the Holy Spirit. A lot of times I think we think, well, what's greater than raising from the dead? It's even greater miracles, calming the waves. Maybe there's there's manifestations that we haven't seen yet that the children of God will walk in. But you know what? I, I honestly believe the greater works are that every single one of us are doing what Jesus did. It's not just Jesus doing it. It's not just his 12 disciples, but it's the church of the living God all across the globe doing what Jesus, that's the greater works. That we all, it's not just one river flowing from the temple, it's rivers flowing from all of his temple, the church, and every individual temple, a believer. That's the priestly mandate. And Jesus, in his high priestly prayer, we have been joined to the high priest in his incarnation from the virgin womb to the empty tomb. We've been joined to him during worship. I, I opened up the scriptures to uh, Revelation chapter 5 where it says the new song that was sang in heaven. John is getting this glimpse of heavenly worship. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals for you were slain. You've redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, you have made us kings and priests to our God and we will reign upon the earth. Wow. The redemption by his blood makes us kings and priests. A kingdom of priests. Then heaven begins to worship. 
thousands upon thousands. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power, riches, wisdom, strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. So beautiful. But in Jesus' high priestly prayer, I just want to close with these words. And may we hear heaven's call, heaven's authority. The Lord wants to, he wants to flow through your life. It might be, you don't even have to say anything per se. You can walk into a room and God will flood it with light. I heard somebody say recently, the Bible doesn't say arise and reflect. It says arise and shine. And right now the church is reflecting and mirroring culture, trying to be relevant, trying to be cool and hip. I like hip churches, but I like presence-filled churches. I'm okay with hip and cool, but you know, guys like John the Baptist, he was not hip or cool, but people came to him to be baptized. I mean, he wore camels like skin and ate grasshoppers. That's disgusting. But the Lord anointed him. And the church needs to stop mirroring the world. Not arise and reflect, but arise and shine. Arise and shine. Arise and shine. There's a dark world out there, and you are some of the only light that the world is going to see. So take on the mandate of heaven. And Jesus prayed for you and I, and here's what he said. This is so beautiful. John chapter 17, the high priestly prayer of Jesus. There it is. This is so powerful. Wow. Verse 18, I have commissioned them to represent me just as you commissioned me to represent you. Listen to this. And now I dedicate myself to them as a holy sacrifice so that they will live as fully dedicated to God and may be holy by your truth. Not only these disciples, but the other believers that will come through their message. I pray for them, that's us, that we would be joined together as one. Even you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to be one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. You see, the unity of the church, you ready? When Jesus prays for the unity of the church, you know what he's praying? I pray that they won't just gather together, but I pray that they would be assembled together. God wants to assemble us, church. Fitly frame us together. Join us in relationship and in love. I love what John was sharing about pursuing love. It's like you're ravenous, you're hungry, and you're pursuing an animal. Like you've got to, listen, if there's things that get between us, our relationship, you've got to do everything you can to get it out of the way because Jesus prayed that we would be one. Let's fulfill the prayer of Jesus by keeping our hearts open to the love of God so that we can love one another. Can you say amen to that? Here's what he said. Now this, I want to close with this right here. Verse 22, for the very glory you have given to me, I have given them. Well, give God all the glory. And then he's like, I just give it back to you. The glory that you've given me. Jesus is talking to the Father. You've given me glory, and I'm giving that glory to them. Wow. I'm not talking about worship, but I'm talking about the glory, the revelation of God's love, the revelation of his goodness, what Moses cried out for, and God says, if you see this, you won't die. That's the glory that I'm giving them. 
It's the glory of the priesthood of every believer. Come on. And he says this, and they will experience the same unity that we enjoy, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You live fully in me now, and I live fully in them so that they will experience perfect unity. And the world will be convinced. And the world will be convinced. Come on. The world will be convinced that you sent me. They will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. Father, I ask that you allow everyone that you've given to me to be with me where I am. Then they will see my full glory, the very splendor you've placed upon me because you've loved me even before the beginning of time. You see, now you are face to face with the Father because you're seated in heavenly places in Christ. And when you realize that, it makes it very easy to bring his glorious love and presence to a dark world around. It's effortless. As a worship leader, I don't strive to change the atmosphere. One word, one strum on the guitar, one note, angels are going out heeding the voice of his command. Do you know the angels go before you wherever you go? I'm going to Walmart. There's angels that go to Walmart before I get there. I'm going to Wegmans. There's warring, worshiping, cherubim, seraphim, come on, that go before us. And listen, they help Do the will of God as we carry out and we say yes to the mandate. I was on my way to Las Vegas uh, last week and we're on the plane. The Lord shows me two huge angels flying next to the plane, doing 500 miles an hour. Probably like just like chilling too, right? No, like it ain't no thing. As tall as this room clothed in blue, yellow, white. They're atmosphere-shifting angels. Then there was a third one, kind of towards the back, with a flaming sword. That one's with me all the time. But when I travel, there's two other ones. I don't know why the Lord shows me this, but, but I'm telling you, it helps me carry the mandate that God has given me. You remember Moses said, I'm not gonna go, even if the angel goes, I'm not, I'm not going unless your presence goes with me. I love that God uses angels to help us and help do the will of the Lord. But I love Moses' heart. And he's in uh, Exodus 33, he says, I'm not going unless your presence goes with me, Lord. And this is the mandate. This is the high priestly prayer of Jesus. He says, I'm going to give him the same glory because you love me before the beginning of time. Verse 26 at the very end, I have revealed them to them who you are and I will continue to make you even make you even more real to them so that they may experience the same endless love that you have for me for your love will now live in them even as I live in them amen did you enjoy this this morning there is a priestly mandate you are a royal priesthood to carry the presence of God wherever you go. Catch this. There's an unseen wind. It just flows from your life. Turn this mic up. Turn this mic up. Wherever you go, there's a wind. You inhale heavenly oxygen and you exhale the presence of Yahweh. You are a burning bush. 
temporal substance and eternal substance combined in one. Our God is a consuming fire. Burn. And wherever you blaze and burn, man, the love and the presence of God goes with us. As believers, every single one of us have this. Begin to pray and ask the Lord. Just ask the Lord to use you to touch one person this week. One person. It may be, can I pray for you? Maybe the Lord gives you something to share with them. A word, a prayer. Or maybe it's an assignment to just pray and watch. But ask the Lord this week that you would shift the atmosphere and impact someone around you this week in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? amen? Lift your hands with me and just let's just pray right now. Can we just say yes? Do you believe? I believe that there is there are uh, models in the church that have become maladies. There are pro, we have replaced presence with programs and principle. And the Lord is saying, would you renew the ancient priestly mandate to be joined to the great high priest Jesus and carry my glory to manifest the fragrance of Christ in every place? Can we just say yes, Lord, to this call? We say yes, Lord, that we are carriers of your love and your presence, and we want to arrive and shine to the dark world around. We say yes, and we receive your word today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.